Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Everyone, uh, welcome to today's live. Today, I'm talking about the advantages of an in-house contract review. So. This divides a lot of people when you think about should I be reviewing my own contract or should I be getting a lawyer to review my own contract? The thing is, it's not mutually exclusive. So it's not one or the other. If you could do both, that's a great thing. That is a great thing. But some of your businesses uh, will require you to be signing a lot of contracts. We've got clients who sign hundreds of contracts with contract sums less than $30,000 or less than $50,000. So throughout the year, that's a lot of contracts to be reading. And if you were to outsource those every single time, it's not going to be cost effective for you. So there are some real advantages to you reviewing your contracts in-house. The thing about doing that, though, is that you really need to know what you need to go in and negotiate for and make sure you come out with all the terms that you need in your contract so that you can perform what you need to perform. So if I'm to provide you with a a commercial contract review, the service that I have to provide to do a really good job is going to be way different to what I would be doing if I'm at the law firm and I have to give you a strictly legal review. That's because lawyers have to advise you of every single possible risk that might take place. But if we're in the commercial world, in the real practical built world, we can do what's called a risk assessment and you guys do it every day of the week on site when you do your uh, safety risk assessment and you look at what are the, what is the likelihood that something's going to go wrong with this and if it was to go wrong, what are the consequences going to be? Is this going to be a business sinking problem or is this just going to be a speed bump or, you know, might it be inconvenient, we might lose some time. So if you get a lawyer involved in your contract review, I still recommend that you do the negotiating. The reason being, once you lawyer up, the other side will lawyer up. And then suddenly you've got two solicitors who can get in a little bit of an ego throwing competition and they might get a little bit distracted from what the practical realities are and what you're actually trying to achieve. And sometimes you can end up having a legal jargon negotiation. Now, legal jargon negotiations just go around in circles. And it all will come back down to whether somebody is willing to walk away from the job. I really despise contract negotiations like that because what inevitably happens is somebody has to give up and they will feel really terrible about it. They'll feel like somebody else held some leverage over them to get themselves the outcome that they wanted. And then later in the job, if you do get that job, if you're that person who got everything you asked for, the builder will punish you later. So the builder will be waiting for their opportunity to get one up on you because they will feel like they had no agency in that negotiation. So when it comes to having your lawyer review your contract, there's a couple of things I recommend you do um, before you even go and see the lawyer. The first thing is read the contract yourself. So you will be the person who will intimately understand what you are going to do on site. And I can tell you from experience that it's very rarely the T's and C's and the contracts that make things go bad. It will be the circumstances that unfold 
on the job that give rise to an argument because somebody's out of pocket. And then the parties will run back to the contract to see who's in the right or who's going to have to pay. So if you can logic out logistically and operationally, what are these things that are probably going to go wrong for us on this job? And almost always it will be something that you have already thought will be a fleeting thought that you might have had when you were tendering the job, when you looked at the drawings, when you spoke with the builder's CA, and you thought, that's really weird that they said that. Why would they have said that then? Or it might be something that you noticed on the drawings. Or another good example, you might have noticed the construction sequence in the construction program is just wrong and it can't be built that way. Um, you might have noticed that there's something conflicting on the drawings or there's something happening in the drawings that you know is going to cause a lead time issue. All of those things are red flags for what will probably go wrong on your job. So you do have a crystal ball and you also have a very good gut instinct. I think there's something happens psychologically to tradespeople when they go through an apprenticeship and you're on the broom and you're being treated like the bottom of the food chain where you sort of have to learn how to read people. And I often find tradespeople have a really good gut instinct. So if something, if your spidey senses are telling you, hmm, something's not quite right here in this area where I press this button, that will almost be more valuable to you than a lawyer legalese or redrafting clauses in the contract for the sake of it to justify their existence. So uh, first thing you want to do is actually read your contract before you go to your lawyer for some advice. The second thing is you need to go to your lawyer with a list of questions. So if you don't understand particular clauses in the contract, and you need the lawyer to fill the gaps for you in what you do understand in the contract, go to them with a list of questions that you want to ask them so that you can come out of there with some certainty that, hey, the solicitor actually understood what we were going in to do. Um, I've told them what my operational considerations are so they know, um, they know what they need to be looking for in terms of the contract review as well. So if your lawyer is not asking you 100 questions about this job, if they're not asking you what insurances you've got, if they're not asking you whether you've got any lead time items, if they're not asking you what you're manufacturing off-site, all of those things are really important uh, for understanding the context in which you're going to need to be protected, I would say your lawyers probably not get their head in the contract properly. So in a way, it is your job to make sure that you do get the value for money out of your contract review from your lawyer by asking the appropriate questions. Um, and I, there's nothing better for me than a client who comes to me and they give me the contract and I give them a review and they go, oh, yeah, when I read it, I found this, this and this. I get excited when I've got a subcontractor who says to me, what about that clause? What about that clause? What about that clause? Because I haven't raised it. That tells me that I know that they've been through the contract uh, before I have and they've turned their mind to what they think might be a problem or what's worrying them. So in terms of reviewing your contracts in-house, what worries me is if you're too time poor to review your contract yourself and so you think I'll send it to the lawyer and when it comes back from the lawyer, I'll have a look at it then. What happens is the urgency increases because you'll be closer to when the builder wants you to start work on site. You might have people on the wages waiting around for this job to start you're going to content the time frame available to you for you to be able to actually um, have a look through the contract and get your head around it. 
the other thing that can happen is the lawyer will decide for you what you need to know about and will sit down with you and might take you on a bit of a a segue, a little bit of a journey in a different direction to where you needed to go in the first place. So you could get distracted from what you initially thought would be the issue and you might get taken down a rabbit hole of, say, for example, getting PPS registration signed up and you're a labour-only concreter and don't really need one uh, and those types of things. So just bear in mind that um, don't, don't give yourself not enough time to do this process properly. And the full value that you will get out of having a contract review done by a lawyer is if you review it in-house first. Now, I would probably get in trouble from someone somewhere if I said, look, you don't need to get legal advice about your builder's contract. That's not what I'm saying here. The very best practice thing to do is for you to read your contract, decide what you need to ask questions about, think operationally about the job, and then also ask the lawyer about the gaps that you don't understand. So get get legal advice in addition to doing your in-house review. But I know there are many of you who won't do either of those things. So if at the moment all you're doing is signing contracts and you're not reading them, or you're just looking at the scope of work and changing some things, and you have no intention of getting legal advice anyway, that's okay. That's okay. That's a commercial decision that you've already made. There's that whole good, better, best uh, theory that I like people to try and think about is that, you know what, if currently you're doing nothing to review your contracts and you're just rolling the dice and signing contracts, the next thing you should be doing is looking at reviewing them yourself first. So have a bit of a read through your contracts, see if you can identify some things that you don't think really marry up to what's going on in your trade. And if you're not understanding it, get some help from somebody. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. Um, although I am a construction lawyer, my business tricks of your trade is not a law firm. We teach contract management, security of payment, um, compliance and commercial management advice. So uh, we help you operationally manage your contracts and read and review your contracts. We don't teach you the legal jargon behind it. We teach you how to identify what's going to affect your trade based on what you need to do to perform on site and how you would administer that contract from an admin perspective. So um, those are the things that you can do yourself in-house and they're really important because if you don't intimately understand what is in your builder's contract, what's the point in having a lawyer look at it or what's the point What's the point in giving it to somebody else, even a consultant or another staff member in your business, giving it to them and saying, hey, read this and look through it. I'm going to challenge you in saying that, are you really just looking for someone to point the finger at if something gets missed? Because you as the business owner or you as the key person within the business, if it's your responsibility to make sure that the contract is suitable to be signed and you're the one that has the authority to make a decision about signing that contract, you need to intimately understand what is in your builder's contract um, sometimes there might be director's guarantees in that builder's contract or there might be clauses in the contract that say that you have to sign a director's guarantee. And if you give that to an admin staff and you don't get yourself across what's inside the contract, you really are just passing the buck and putting your head in the sand because it's not going to get you the actual tangible outcome that you reviewing your contract will get you. So... I know it can be really overwhelming. When I was a builder CA, it was really hard for me even to get my head around the one contract we had that we used to use all the time with different subbies. If you're in a business where you're getting 
30 to 40, 400 page contracts every year to read through. And you have to get your head around every different builder's contract. That takes years to get really fast and good at it. So one of the things that I recommend you do is you get yourself a contract review checklist. So there's multiple places you can get one. You can get one for a hundred bucks off my website. If you want to go onto my website um, and get a contract review checklist, you can do that. There are other consultants where you can get similar checklists for free. Um, so Sub ECA, if you want to go and have a look at Kara's website, she's got a similar contract review checklist that she can, she'll let you download for free from her website. You can create your own checklist. Um, I always say, look, it's good to just have a look at what some other people have got in terms of their checklist so that you can have it as a guide or as a starting point. But ideally in your contract review checklist, you need to have the things that are relevant to your trade. So uh, there will be things that are specific for your trade that are not going to apply to other trades. So for example, we've got a piling subcontractor that works with us a lot. We're always worried about ground conditions, um, dewatering and neighbouring properties. Those guys is pretty much the three things that we're always really looking at. If you're a form worker, you're not going to want to have retentions held because you've got nothing to warranty. Um, defects liability periods are not applicable. Getting practical completion when the main structure is done. Those are the things that that particular trade might need. So it will really depend on the nature of your trade as to what you need to look for in your builder's contract. Make sure that your checklist that you have is actually relevant and you're not just looking inside somebody else's checklist that does not deal with what is in your trade because you're missing an opportunity there and you're almost being taken out on another distraction or um, not looking outside the template can be risky because you might not realise what's applicable in your current circumstances. So it lures you into a false sense of security. So in terms of lawyers' reviews, <clears throat> you have some serious advantages over a lawyer in doing your own contract review because you intimately understand your trade like they don't. And they cannot, no matter what they do, they cannot channel your gut instinct. So where your spidey senses are telling you that something's not going quite right in this area here, the lawyer's disconnected from that. They don't understand the business operations of what you've got going on as intimately as you do. Even with me, I'm intimately across the details of our clients' businesses and how they operate. I still have to ask them at least five to ten questions on every job. So if that's the case and I'm talking to them two days a week, what about a construction lawyer who's sitting in a tower down in the city who you only ever contract, uh, contact when you need a contract review? And the way that I've seen those contract reviews take place, usually you email over the contract. They say, no worries, let's book in a time for two hours when I will talk to you next Tuesday. And there's no communication between now and then. So how do they know what they're going to tell you? They need to actually get their head around what is going on with this particular job, they need to be knowing what's happened with the tender process, who's promised who what, what you're trying to achieve. Is it a refurb or is it a greenfield site? All of those things are really relevant to whether or not that contract review is actually going to give you the value of what you need. So don't look past reviewing your own contracts in-house. I know it can be an intimidating idea that you might just one day pick up contracts and start reading them. The best advice I can give to you in terms of reading contracts to make your life easier right now today is not to read a contract like a book. If you start on page one and read to page 400, 
you'll be asleep so many times it's not funny. You need to read contracts the same way you read the drawings. So pull it apart, get the definitions as one little section. You want the part A schedule or the schedule one or whatever it's called that has the particulars, the contract particulars as another little section, your general conditions and your special conditions. So put them out as four little documents next to each other. Don't worry about getting all the documents mixed up because you ideally printed them from somewhere. So if you need to, you can piece those things back together again. But what you want to do is start reading the general conditions in conjunction with the definitions and the Part A schedule so that you can actually understand in the context of what that condition is saying or what that clause is saying. You can very quickly look back and go where it refers to item 12 in the schedule. You can look and go, oh, that's what item 12 says. And then when it has a defined term, you can go, oh, that's that definition and look back over there. And that will make it much more cohesive for you to read a contract. If you try and read it from start to finish, by the time you get to the end of the contract, you will have forgotten what was in the definitions by the time you get to the general conditions. So you really can't do it like that. Think in terms of the architectural drawings, the specification, the key, um, the key schedule for your drawings so you know what's going on, you finish your schedule. And that way you can put all the puzzle pieces together. A contract is no different to drawings in that regard. So I hope that's been really helpful for you. Um, this is one of our last lives that we're doing for our negotiation school launch week. Uh, I'm going to be going live again tomorrow. We'll be talking about the impact that time can have on your negotiations and how you can keep an eye on time in different ways and use time in different ways to better your advantage in a negotiation. So um, hopefully you guys can join me. It's going to be at 11 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to be going live, so 11 o'clock Queensland time. Uh, we do have daylight savings at the moment. So if you're in a state or territory with daylight savings, maybe just check to see where you are in terms of 11 o'clock Queensland time. So I look forward to seeing you all then. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade.